Donna Sidaway, and this is episode 46. In this podcast and YouTube channel, I discuss anything that relates to the feminine divine when it occurs in the scriptures, things in the priesthood, the temple. I'm trying to draw us closer to that feminine divine, to that, to our heavenly mother. Um, I do it within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, this channel is not endorsed by the church, but I am a temple-endowed, devout member of the church, and I discuss these things within that context. I do not pull down one gender over another. I don't tear down the brethren or the doctrine or anything like that. I definitely do not attempt to study the ark in whatsoever shape or form, but these are just my thoughts and my opinions, and I am so grateful that you decided to join me today. In this episode, we are continuing our discussion from last week, episode 45. When we start getting a little flustered, if we start getting a little upset or start feeling that confusion, it's okay to have questions, but feeling confusion that does not come from the spirit of Christ. It does not come from the Holy ghost. It does not come from our heavenly parents. We are sometimes left to work things out on our own, but to feel super confused. And when you, that unsettled feeling with that confusion, I don't think comes from the Holy ghost. When that happens, we just need to readjust our compass. So it's pointing towards Jesus Christ. Get back there. I think everything starts becoming clearer and then it starts getting, we get a little bit, the mist of darkness or get a little bit thicker. We hold onto that rod even tighter and we keep moving our feet forward because, you know, the, the path on the iron rod and hanging onto the iron rod is single file. Uh, we are in families and you probably got, and it doesn't mean that the person in front, the person back has anything to do with who's ahead or who's behind, but more of it's a, it's a personal individual thing to hold on. We can't hold on for our family, for our children, for our spouse. We can't hold on for the people that we love so much. We have to hold on for us. And that once we get to that tree, we can beckon them, but we stay at the tree. The scriptures and witnesses we have of Heavenly Father are in the context of him. Heavenly Father always pointed to his son. True, there is the declaration of love from him. And sometimes with the verbiage of Heavenly Parents, But in my opinion, I think they're working more towards pushing aside distractions, both in and outside of the temple that draw us away from the true purpose of this moral life. And that's coming to know Jesus Christ. Uh, Having said that, I am still working on exploring the divine feminine and my manuscript about Heavenly Mother, but the spirit has made it clear that number one, I must always include the savior, her son in the discussion. Number two, There is so much of the feminine divine and divine feminine present in the scriptures as we currently have them. Even in my research about ancient temple worship, et cetera, any mention of the lady of the temple, that's what they call her in ancient context and people outside of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we refer to her as heavenly mother, but she's referred to as the lady of the temple was always associated with the sun. And often with El, and we call him Heavenly Father. There's El, Eloah, and Jehovah, which was the divine family that used to be present in the temple. And things just got skewed off. I'm going to talk all about that in my book. So please keep it in mind. Now, I am very clear in the beginning of this book, of this whole project of Divine Feminine that is not a New Age project. 
I do not subscribe to her being the Holy Spirit or that anyone has gone astray by adhering to praying to Heavenly Father alone. Everything points to that commandment and practice in this earthly lifetime. Let's digest all this crazy stuff. So do I have questions? Absolutely. Have I found all the answers? No. But this year's study of the New Testament has helped tremendously in the area of trusting things that I find so crazy. Here's a good example from one of the scriptures we studied this year and how some principles and concepts are presented to us. And in our limited realm of experience, we may find some of those ideas super strange or crazy. This comes from John chapter six, verses 54 through 61, and then 66 through 69. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, uh, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I had an aha moment studying this scripture. Jesus is saying, you have to eat my flesh and my blood. And without explaining that it is just a metaphor or a symbol, he let those disciples walk away, shaking their heads. He knew he was speaking in symbols. He knew it was a huge test for anyone hearing him. Because we read in Genesis, the command that they were not to eat any blood. And now this supposed Messiah is saying just that you must not only eat blood, but it must be mine. That's when he turns to his apostles and asks them, are you going to leave also? Now, Peter and the others were just as confused and probably not just a little grossed out. But Peter's response was basically, where else would we go? We know that you are the true Messiah. Now, this is how I keep myself grounded in the church. I made the decision long ago because of some personal struggles and told God that if this was my lot, as I was experiencing back then and was confused about, then I would accept it. So basically all the things I'm going through, if, if it's not going to change, I'm going to accept it because there's no other place that I can turn that has the truth. There's nothing in the world that can offer me anything close that was going to help me feel any better or change my circumstance. Because I believed in the gospel and in the Savior, I literally had nowhere else to turn. I already knew that the world and no other church had anything close to offer me. So women in the priesthood, speaking in conference, more male leaders, polygamy, the supposed silence about Heavenly Mother. Some of this I am putting on the back burner, researching what I can, but trusting and truly believing that Jesus is speaking to our leaders. Mistakes are made. 
but not so drastic that Christ won't make up for them in spades. Do I still get frustrated? Yes. But then I take a deep breath and turn to the scriptures and the savior. I turn to the source. As much as I love the brethren, and I love the prophet. They are not the source. They point to the source. And to be honest, that brings me a lot of comfort. As you go through the temple, you see that they always point to the source. They get out of the way and they say, go to the savior, go to heavenly father. Does any of this make sense? I don't ever want any sister to feel gas lighted, gas lit. That's a good one to see if which one that would be. What you have felt, I have most likely had the same thoughts and emotions. And at least in the beginning, have leaned heavily on my faith alone until I was able to procure more knowledge and until there were more revelation that was given. And there has been more revelation since, you know, in my twenties, my thirties on there's revelation is continually being poured out in the church. I'm so grateful for this. I have felt the same feelings the sister has expressed. That is part of why I want to highlight the feminine in God in the scriptures, in the gospel, and address concerns without leading women away from the tree. There's so much in the scriptures, and I have loved finding them. So what about family members? Because there's always family members that struggle with that, especially the, the youth. And I think it's very fitting and appropriate that in the uh, young women's theme, we talk about that, um, about heavenly parents, they replaced heavenly father with heavenly parents. I mean, so right there, the women are, we are loved. We are beloved daughters of heavenly parents. It's right there. Doctrine, not all of our youth yet have the spiritual bandwidth, nor the maturity to put things on the back burner, to lean more into faith when questions seem insurmountable at the moment. And with this, the only thing that comes to my mind, because I don't have the answers, everybody has their own struggles with their children, their own they have the intuition. I really believe that part of the divine purpose of women and as mothers, as nurturing other souls, whether it's their biological children or not, they're given those special instincts and the special divine guidance with always going back to the father for source, going back to the heavenly parents, praying in the name of Jesus Christ, going to the scriptures and finding help for these things. But the only thing that comes to my mind is to be an unconditional loving example of your testimony. That's really what you have to do right now. Avoid voicing doubts that may add additional burden to those tender hearts, but instead listen, listen without gaslighting and with empathy and compassion, but always staying by the tree. Don't ever step away from the tree because when you think you're helping them. You think if I just get a little bit closer, I can bring them closer. It doesn't ever work ever. Stepping away from the tree only confuses them more or gives them more ammunition, more fuel to the fire of like, see, it's not true. They, they can't even stay close to it or I'm winning. I am pulling them into my world and I'm not going to let them pull me back into their world. These are just my thoughts that come to my head. This aspect this one is now easy and is usually something that must be engaged with long suffering on the part of the parent. It's not easy and it can sometimes be a little scary, but it's one of those things that we can't go around. It's the only things that we have to go through. Are we able to discuss Heavenly Mother without fear of losing our temple recommends? Absolutely. 
absolutely. And yes, as I've studied and researched, it really is more of a divine feminine matter. I see evidence of the holy feminine divine and how that involves mortal women, wives, and strong echoes of partnership of the partnership of our heavenly parents. I think the danger we may run into is not with talking about a heavenly mother, but by teaching worship practices that have not been pronounced nor approved by the prophet, such as openly praying to heavenly mother, at least in a public setting. Did I notice a dip in the discussion about the divine feminine after Rendland's talk? Perhaps each department and leader has specific ideas and direction they want to take. So for instance, I subscribe to the BYU Studies magazine and I have done for years. It's a quarterly magazine that just has amazing scriptural insights and historical insights, anything to do with the gospel and with the scriptures. Now, when Jack Welch was the lead editor, there were there has always been amazing articles, but I absolutely loved the um, the content when he was the lead editor. And he was, I mean, it was fresh. It was very research oriented. Um, he was lead editor when that groundbreaking essay came out about Heavenly Mother and all of the recorded instances of when the brethren talked about her from the pulpit and discussions and things like that. And in that month alone, when that came out, there were 22,000 unique hits to the site, unique visits to that site and to that essay alone. Right after Jack Welch stepped down or they replaced him, however that happened, I, with a new change of guard, I noticed a definite change and I could sense the overall vibe of it, of the magazine changed. And with the very first issue of the new guard, an opinion piece with a very condescending tone about this lack of evidence concerning our heavenly mother in the scriptures was written. And it wasn't even written by a religion professor, but by an English professor. I was, I was not happy with the tone of the essay and it was very different than what had been in all of the years past. It was like, finally, it felt like the King Josiah's purge, maybe not as intense, but it felt like finally we're getting rid of the people who have this silly notion about talking about Heavenly Mother. And so, yeah, there's there's always change with leadership, with anything, with um, their focus. Every state president, every bishop, every relief study president has something that they that becomes their thing, the thing that they focused on with President Kimball. Yes, it's whole damn. President Kimball, his big focus was on planting a garden, plant a garden, plant a garden, plant a garden with President Benson. It was the Book of Mormon. It was flood the earth with the Book of Mormon. Or President Hunter, I think his was the temple. You know, there was always a little bit um, that you could just tell what their theme was. And it was really funny. I had a friend when um, President Benson was a prophet. And she was teasing her dad one time. She said, um, I thought uh, the prophet said that we're supposed to plant a garden. You don't have a garden in your backyard. And he said, well, when President Benson became prophet, I planted grass and, and back there. And I sat under the tree and read my Book of Mormon. So it's, we just kind of, it, every part of it, every aspect of it is important, but there's themes that kind of go in waves with each leader. And they're, and I feel for the most part, they're inspired. I don't know about this particular issue and especially that piece. I did not feel the spirit with that piece. 
Was I worried about reprisal and punishment with my current research and writing? Yes and no. I know the fear that people refer to, that cultural fear is very real and it cuts deep. And I know that there are sisters, my own um, you know, spiritual sisters, who I can just tell they don't approve of what I do. And I'm not doing anything that is outside of the doctrine. I don't, I'm not studying the ark. I'm not, it's not an ordained women thing. It's not a feminist thing. It's not a female empowerment because we have the power. We don't need power to be given to us. We, we already have that. We're divine daughters of heavenly mother. We've got that DNA in us. And I, I do feel sad about that, but I go back to my journalistic roots. And that is by backing up my thoughts and my theories, not speculations, mind you, with dependable sources, naming my sources and making sure those sources jive with the church, with the church. I want to read that again, because whenever you read anything that I write, you'll know if it's my opinion and you'll know that even if I have that opinion, where I got that opinion, I back up my thoughts and my theories, not speculations with dependable sources, naming my sources and making sure those sources jive with the church. Full stop. Bottom line, don't dim your light, sisters. The brethren love us. This is not a man or a woman's church. This is Jesus Christ's church. He loved his mother, Mary, and loves his heavenly mother. Study the scriptures with open eyes, with temple knowledge. Go to the temple with scripture knowledge. You'll see that divine feminine that is saturated in the scriptures both the Book of Mormon and the Bible. I just want to close with my testimony. I know this is the true church. I I am grateful that I am able to live abundantly in and because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have all the answers. I have questions. I don't have doubts. Sometimes I have more questions than others, but I just return to the source. I return to the basic foundation of my testimony, and that's Do I know that Jesus is the Christ? Do I feel like Joseph Smith was a prophet? Is the Book of Mormon scripture? Can it lead me back to Jesus Christ? Can it help me live my life more abundantly? And I just answer all those yes, 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 yes. And then I just kind of start from there and I take a deep breath and I just keep going. Sisters, email me, write to me. Let me know. What do you think? Do you feel like, does it bother you that there's not more female voices in your own conference? What has been your testimony about being a woman in the church? What, what have you felt? I would love to hear your thoughts. And if, you know, if you let me know if I can share them with the rest of my listeners and viewers, I would love that. Thank you so much for joining me and as always, have a divine day.